Come, O come, Emmanuel. We know that you came the first time, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. But we know that you will come again. And certainly Advent is a time for us to remember both comings. Be with us this evening as we look at your word and as we prepare to be ever ready. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure what you really think about Advent. Maybe some of you are here just because, well, there have been Advent services at this church for almost 100 years, and you've come, and that's just the way it goes. The reason I say that is because I have heard through pastor friends this week of three churches, three Missouri Synod Lutheran churches, that no longer have Advent services. Kind of interesting. One of them actually had the first service and no one showed up. And so they decided to cancel the remaining Advent services. The other one, some people came the first one. The second one, they decided to have the youth-sponsored, Katie will enjoy this, a baked potato feast before. They said they had about 40 people show up for that, and no one had church. Isn't that interesting? I don't know about you, but there's something about getting ready for things. And I don't want to be a Grinch or anything, but I read a wonderful blog today. It was called Why I Hate Christmas Carols. And I thought, oh man, I love that. It's not that I really hate Christmas carols, but I'm just not ready to hear them and sing them. There's something about that kind of droning Dismal Advent music. Do you notice that? The music we sing, it's not lively, it's not light, it's kind of heavy. The only thing that could make it even more heavy would be if we sang that old Lenten song, Oh Darkest Woe. But I kind of like that. I like the darkness and the cold and the Advent season. I remember it as a little boy growing up and I spent a lot of time in church because my grandpa was the janitor of the church, amongst other things. And so I seriously doubt that there were very many services, if ever, that I missed. And I most appreciated Advent and Lent for some reason. And maybe because it was so dark and dreary and it just seemed not quite depressing, but it was it made you think. That's what I thought about it. You know, Advent, I, I look upon it as an annual reminder just to be ever ready. Ever ready for the coming of Jesus. It's the season of preparation to celebrate not only the first Advent, which was his birth, but to receive, where we receive the risen Jesus into our hearts as Savior and Lord, and then to get ready for the second Advent. That's his coming, when someday the Clouds are going to crack and the trumpets are going to blow and the angels are going to sing or say whatever they do. And we're all going to go home. The question is, how do we live ever ready for the second advent? It's hard enough to be ever ready just to celebrate Christmas. There seems to be so much stuff that gets in the way to where Christmas is almost A relief to get it over with. Nancy and I went to a 
church service with part of our family last Sunday evening. And one of the pastors talked about how if you enjoyed this service, don't forget on Christmas, we have Christmas Eve, Eve, then we have Christmas Eve, and then we have Christmas Day. And it suddenly dawned on me, so will we. We'll have Christmas Eve, Eve, that's Sunday. Then we get to come back and do Christmas Eve, which is Monday. Then we get to come back and do Christmas Day on Tuesday. I don't know, that makes me kind of happy. None of you look all that jolly about it. (laughs) But sometimes, and I'm speaking just as a pastor and maybe as a musician sometimes, you can get so caught up with doing the music and preparing the music and the choirs and the special stuff and you know, writing orders of service and coming up with sermons and doing all that stuff and then hoping by God's good graces it all comes out that you almost feel like when you go home on Christmas Day, you really don't want to celebrate. You just want to kind of lay down and take a nap. Easter can be almost that way. So the question is, how can we live ever ready for this first coming and kind of get our head straight But more important, how do we live ever ready for the advent of Jesus the next time? Well, our our text kind of guides us in recalibrating our lives in light of Jesus' priorities. And I want to go back and read verses 25 and 26 of our text where it says, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity, Because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Well, that's the way the end of the world is going to look like. I mean, the disciples had asked Jesus, how are we going to know when you're going to come again? And Jesus said, well, let me describe it to you. And so really, one of the first things you think about is you need to learn to face the fear. I mean, those verses almost sound like they come out of today's headlines. I mean, people are afraid. I mean, think about 12-12-12. We fear the economic recession so much because, you know, maybe you look at your nest egg and you see that thing kind of slowly but surely disappearing. You see new taxes on the horizon. I heard of one today, another one, you know, from the gift that keeps on giving called Obamacare. You know, we had to read it to find out what was in it. We had to pass it, I guess. And there's an additional $63 tax on your insurance policies and coming. And that's, you know, we all start worrying about those kinds of things. And it's like our savings kind of disappear like the dew in the morning. We kind of fear the international climate as nations with completely different worldviews than we have are rattling their swords and, you know, telling and now telling us what we can do and, can't do. We fear for our security. I, I have a, a former student of mine who's a, a teacher out in Oregon who had just finished speaking the other night in a place called Clackamas. You ever hear of that? Where a guy came into a mall and shot a couple of people. And he said, that's always been the safest place where he felt the most secure. He said, is there any place where you can feel safe anymore? But see, Jesus says all of this stuff that kind of goes on, it will happen to reassure our hearts and to strengthen our resolve. 
Fear is not going to go away anytime soon. But we don't have to be held captive by it. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. We cannot only face it by standing firm in Jesus. We kind of flatten it by moving forward in faith. See, God will see us through the difficulty of these days. The second thing I would say about everything that's going to happen at the end times is we just need to see it for what it is. When Jesus returns, guess what? It is going to be one terrifying event for those who weren't expecting it. It will be one terrifying event for those people who chose to live as if it would never happen. It'll be one terrifying event for people who are not prepared to meet Jesus. But you know, somebody's not going to be terrifying for those of us who believe. For followers of Jesus, it's a sign that our ultimate redemption is finally drawing near. That's why I often think when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. Luther in his catechism says, we pray that we really pray about two different things. We pray that the kingdom of God would come into the hearts of everybody, every person. But at the same time, we're also praying that God's kingdom would just plain simple come back. That judgment day would be here. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying that people will know Jesus. And at the same time, we're praying that the end of the world will come. Quite honestly, I, I, I look forward to it. Most any Sunday morning before I had to preach, <laughs> just be okay with me. See, in one sense, everything that people thought to be secure will be shaken apart. But in another sense, everything that saints have been eagerly anticipating for centuries is going to happen. Now, I don't know whether I would like to see it happen before I die. You know, it really doesn't make any difference. It'd be okay. It'd be okay if it happened before I before I actually was dead and in the dirt for a long time. But you know, even if it's not, you're going to get to see it anyway. So he said, be encouraged. The second coming is really good news. And then I guess I'll tell you, don't miss the obvious. And Jesus starts telling this story about the fig trees. In referring to these trees, Jesus makes the point that the signs of his coming are all around us. You know, while the reality is that most people are not paying attention... The calamitous signs that he foretold are indications that his return is drawing near. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. You know, maybe like some of you, there are some people who got up this morning at 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, whatever, just to look at their clock. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I was sound asleep. And then they waited for noon to come so they could see again 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. And I don't know, I had lunch with Jason Christian today, and I don't think we looked at our watches. But some people see, see that kind of stuff, and they get all caught up in it. Or There are some people who say that in another 10 days, the world's going to end. You know that? The Mayan calendar says so. Of course, the other day, the Pope says, no, it won't. So, Mayans, Catholics, we'll see. Quite honestly, you ought to be prepared. That's what Jesus says. Don't miss the obvious. The signs are there. And every generation, he says, has seen the evidence for the second coming. And while the pace of events will probably seem to 
pick up and move a little faster in the latter days. The fact is, these things have been happening ever since Jesus told his disciples. Every last one of them has pointed to his return. And I think these words point to three really important truths. One is that everyone from the time of Jesus has been able to see some of the evidence that points to the return of Jesus. I think the final ultimate victory of the kingdom of God began with that very first advent of Jesus. The one thing that a guy said about uh, not liking Christmas carols, he said, you got this kind of happy, happy music. And he said, I just don't read the sto- Christmas story with a soundtrack. He says, what happens is you hear this happy, happy music and you don't hear the cracking sound of Satan's skull as Jesus stomps on it. That's pretty graphic. But that's what happens when Jesus comes in the world. Didn't we look at that, Genesis 3.15? He smashes the head of Satan. That's one of the, that's one of the very first signs that the end is about to come. And, and also to remember, don't give up just because it hap- hasn't happened for 2,000 years. I mean, God's word is sure. It's going to happen. So that's why he says at the end verses, be ever ready. See, the point of these verses is to be ever ready for Jesus' return. And there are many similarities between the first advent, Christmas, and the second advent. But there is one significant difference. Even though few noticed his first coming as a vulnerable baby, he tells us that no one will miss the second coming. Everybody is going to be gathered up in the clouds, sheep, goats. So the question is, how can we be ever ready? Well, a couple of things. Focus on today. See, just live each day faithfully serving Jesus. That's one way to do it. Do what he desires for that day, for this day. And guess what? If you do that, you'll be ready every day. The second thing is just to be on guard. In here, it said a couple of times to watch. And watch means to be vigilant. It means ever on the lookout for something. And I think what Jesus would be saying is watch and be on the lookout for sin that sometimes just creeps into our lives unnoticed until suddenly its claws are embedded. Watch also has a very positive meaning, though. Referring to a spirit of expectancy. It's kind of like waiting for that expectant mother to have that baby. Or people who are just waiting for something really neat to happen. And you stand there and you're watching and you're watching. And you just can't wait for it. The other thing is to pray. I mean, even Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray. And this means much more than just saying a few words to God with our eyes closed. It's kind of living close to God. It's staying in touch with God. It's living a whole life that seems to be consumed with prayer. Constantly bringing our desires and our thoughts to Him. Now, when you heard the word ever ready at the beginning, did that remind you of anything? Ever ready? Batteries, huh? Were you thinking I'd probably get around to that sooner or later? Well, you're right. Today, they don't call it Ever-Ready anymore. They call it Energizer. And you all know the Energizer Bunny commercials. But the Energizer Battery Company began several several decades ago as the 
EverReady company. Uh, they promoted the image that their products will would help us always be prepared for emergencies, for all of those things that happen quickly and can catch us off guard. And that's the exact same idea Jesus is trying to get across here in this text. Be prepared for his sudden victorious return to happen. There is a wise old saying about prudent living in preparation for lean times. It goes this way. Stay ready so you won't have to get ready. Let me say that again. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That's great advice for Advent. Be ever ready. May God bless us in that pursuit. Our